Dunkin' Cold Coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' Cold K-Cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Good Wednesday morning, a new sign of hope in the showdown over the debt ceiling. As the default deadline is fast approaching still, it is May 17th. This is today. Making progress, President Biden and Republican leaders expressing optimism for the first time as debt ceiling talks go down to the wire. There's still work to do. It's not that difficult to get to an agreement. Just ahead, the mounting pressure to reach a deal with the world economy hanging in the balance. Breaking overnight, the battle over abortion heating up again. North Carolina banning most abortions after 12 weeks. Republican lawmakers overriding the governor's veto overnight to make it the law of the land. The reaction just ahead and how the issue could impact the 2024 presidential race. Stunning failure. An intruder breaks into the home of the White House National Security Advisor while he was sleeping, despite 24-hour Secret Service protection outside. An investigation into the disturbing breach now underway. Alarmed over AI, the CEO behind ChatGPT urging Congress to crack down on artificial intelligence. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. This morning, why he's warning about the very technology he helped to create. Those stories plus remarkable reunion. A girl kidnapped six years ago, now back with her father after a stranger saw the case on Unsolved Mysteries and gave police the crucial tip. Today, Wednesday, May 17th, 2023. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Cuppy. Live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to you today, Wednesday morning. Nice to have you along with us. We will begin with the standoff over the debt limit. There is now just over two weeks until the Treasury, Treasury Secretary says the U.S. will run out of money to pay its bills. Yeah, failure to reach an agreement would be an historic first, affecting everything from the ability of uh, national parks to remain open to Social Security payments and the global economy. But there are some positive signs at last this morning after the latest face-to-face between the president and congressional leaders of both parties for a look at where things stand right now. We say good morning to NBC's senior Hill correspondent, senior Capitol Hill correspondent, Garrett Haight. Garrett, good morning. Uh, Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. And yeah, with time running out, the president is now canceling part of his planned trip to Asia to deal with this crisis here at home. But there are some new signs of progress this morning, including the newly appointed negotiators from the White House and the Speaker's office meeting late last night to work on getting to a deal, according to two sources. We're just getting started. With the clock ticking towards potential catastrophe, no deal yet between President Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy over the nation's debt limit. There's still work to do. But Tuesday's White House meeting between the president and congressional leaders may have broken new ground. There's an overwhelming consensus, I think, in today's meeting, the congressional leaders, that defaulting on the debt is simply not an option. It is possible to get a deal by the end of the week. It's not that difficult to get to an agreement. For the first time, Democratic leaders are conceding a bipartisan compromise will be needed to break the impasse, likely combining an increase in the nation's borrowing limit with spending cuts. We all agreed that the only path forward is to reach a bipartisan agreement 
anchored in common ground. That means a so-called clean debt limit increase with no spending cuts attached, favored by the president and Democrats, is now off the table. The White House says President Biden has appointed two top aides to lead negotiations with the House Speaker's team. While the president will depart for the G7 summit in Japan today as scheduled, he'll cut his overseas trip short, skipping a planned summit in Australia, returning to Washington Sunday to deal with the crisis. Because the global financial system relies on the dollar, economists say damage from even a short-term default could be disastrous. With the government unable to pay its bills, Social Security checks, tax refunds, and veterans' benefits could all be delayed. Interest rates would spike, and if the market takes a big hit, as expected, the value of your retirement account could plummet. I mean, the stakes are incredible. It would just crash the world economy if the, if the debt ceiling is not lifted. The clock is ticking. Already, aren't there costs associated with just this brinksmanship, just the fact that we're going up to the wire again? Well, yeah, I mean, history says so, and so does the Treasury Secretary. Back in 2011, the last time we had a major standoff like this over the debt ceiling, stocks plunged 20 percent, and the U.S. credit rating was downgraded for the first time in history. And that's when Congress passed a debt ceiling increase on the very last available day. And Secretary Yellen said yesterday that the Treasury is already seeing the impacts of this brinksmanship, her words, on the markets. She's watching for hits to things like business confidence and borrowing costs as the negotiation drags out towards that deadline. Savannah? Ironically, this is, has a, its own cost, even as they're talking about spending cuts, Garrett. Exactly. Uh, we'll be continuing to watch. Thank you. Let's move now to breaking news overnight tied to the abortion debate. Republican lawmakers in North Carolina overriding the governor's veto of a ban after 12 weeks, allowing it now to become law. NBC's Stephanie Gosk is here with details. Hi, Steph. Good morning. Hey, Hoda. Good morning. You know, in the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, North Carolina has been considered a safe haven by some women seeking an abortion in the South. But now the landscape is shifting for them yet again with new obstacles making it more difficult to get the procedure. Overnight U.S. abortion access facing another major shift as one of the remaining southern states to allow abortions tightens restrictions. Late protests in the North Carolina capital after the state banned the procedure after 12 weeks. The Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, vetoed the new ban and went on the road trying to persuade others to join his side. But a united Republican Party voted to override him. The people of the state are just family values, conservative people. Supporters say the bill's a compromise, since according to the CDC, over 90 percent of abortions take place before 20 weeks. And it allows for cases of rape, incest, and health of the mother. But it includes more restrictions for those seeking abortions, like mandated doctor's visits and more regulations for clinics. With all the restrictions, it's going to really, really limit access to abortion at all. Governor Cooper saying overnight, quote, several Republican lawmakers broke their promises to protect women's reproductive freedom. It's all part of the changing landscape for abortion access across the country since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade last year. As many southern and some midwestern states have banned abortions entirely or under six weeks. North Carolina was one of the only southern states with lighter restrictions. After the road decision, the state had an increase in the number of abortions provided, suggesting that women from surrounding states may have traveled there, according to a nonprofit that supports abortion access. This is about uh, making sure that politicians stay out of my family decisions, 
um, out of my doctor's offices. And it comes as two other states are considering changing access this week. South Carolina is locked in a fierce fight over banning abortions after six weeks of pregnancy. And overnight, Republicans in Nebraska moved a 12-week abortion ban forward. What this ensures is that abortion will remain in the spotlight at the center of political debate as we head into the 2024 election. The Republican frontrunner, former President Trump, has been under pressure to say whether he would sign a national abortion ban, so far refusing to answer the question, the very political question, yeah. directly. Yeah. Not ruling it out, not mm-hmm. ruling it in. That's right. Thank you, Steph. Thank middle. you. Yep. Well, this morning, the Secret Service is investigating an alarming security breach at the home of White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, a home they were protecting. A man was able to get inside in the middle of the night while agents were on duty, and it was Sullivan himself who discovered and confronted the intruder. NBC's Capitol Hill correspondent Ryan Noble's got the details on this. Ryan, good morning. The Secret Service must be incredibly disturbed by this breach. Yeah, that's right, Savannah. They are very concerned, and they admit that this was a serious security breach, so much so that they're already making changes while they investigate exactly what went wrong. According to the Washington Post, this happened about two weeks ago, and that's when the man gained access to National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's home in the middle of the night. They say he was there at 3 o'clock in the morning, and it was Sullivan who actually found the man, approached him, and asked him to leave. The man did so but still undetected. It wasn't until Sullivan himself went outside and informed the agents that the man was in the house that they learned about it. Thankfully, Sullivan was not hurt. At this point, Savannah, the White House is not commenting on this incident. I mean, just the visual there, him having to go outside and say, you know, there was a guy just in my house and he's the White House National Security Advisor, obviously has access to some of the nation's top secrets. Do officials think that whomever was in this house was targeting him because he was national security advisor, or is this just some kind of random crime? Savannah, that part remains unclear, and Secret Service says that they are still investigating, but the Post is reporting that the man did appear intoxicated and that he didn't even know where he was. There was no sign of any type of forced entry. There was no physical confrontation with Sullivan, and at no point did it appear that Sullivan or his family was in any type of danger. But we should also point out that Secret Service was unable to question the intruder because he took off before they even learned that he was there. This, of course, comes against the backdrop of rising threats against public officials across the country. Of course, just this week, we saw the office of Democratic Congressman Jerry Connolly attacked by an intruder. So, Savannah, this is something that is at the top of many people in Washington's minds. Yeah, and foreign adversaries, obviously, another concern as well when you're talking about the White House National Security Advisor. Ryan, thank you. All right, let's move now to the war in Ukraine amid intense new Russian airstrikes. We're now learning that a former U.S. service member has died in the fighting there. NBC's Molly Hunter joins us from Kiev now with the latest. Hey, Molly, good morning. Hoda, good morning to you. Very sad news. We have learned that Nicholas Mamer, he's an Idaho native, is one of at least 10 Americans who have died in Ukraine since the start of the war. This, as the Ukrainians say, they have the momentum around that eastern city of Bakhmut. This morning, the grim confirmation that another American has died fighting in Ukraine. Overnight, Nicholas Mamer's aunt, Sherry Mamer, confirmed to NBC News the 45-year-old veteran from Boise, Idaho, passed away. 
Yesterday, a video posted by a pro-Russian blogger on Telegram shows Wagner mercenary chief Yevgeny Prigozhin standing over what he says is a dead American soldier in Bakhmut. The group posting an Idaho driver's license and what appear to be genuine U.S. documents for Nicholas Maymer. The U.S. State Department said they were aware of the report but offered no official confirmation. Mamer's family says he was a decorated veteran. His service record obtained by NBC News shows he joined the U.S. Army in 1996. Mamer traveled to Ukraine in 2022, posting this update. And I'm putting together a training program for the territorial defense. And that is going to allow me to uh, hopefully save some lives. The fiercest fighting today over the ruins of what was once the eastern city of Bakhmut. The Ukrainians say they have recaptured nearly eight square miles in the last few days. Overnight, President Zelensky trying to capitalize on the momentum with European allies. And that we in unity will give 100 percent in any field when we have a goal to protect our people and our Europe. Meanwhile, as the fighting shows no signs of letting up, the CIA sensing an opportunity inside Russia, where privately some may disagree with the 15-month-old war. Yesterday, the agency posting a dramatic video aimed at recruiting Russians. People around you may not want to hear the truth, the video says, but we do. Now, there's some potentially some big news here in Kyiv. Chinese Special Representative Li Wei is expected to be here for meetings. We have not seen any official confirmation from the Chinese or the Ukrainians. We have not seen pictures. China, of course, a very staunch ally of Russia. And when Secretary of State Blinken was asked about a possible Chinese role in mediation or in mediating between the Russians and the Ukrainians, he said previously it could be very beneficial. So we'll keep an eye on that, Hoda. All right, uh, Molly, thank you so much for us. All right, we turn now to the migrant crisis still going on. Craig joins us. Good morning. Samantha Hoda, good morning. Good morning to you as well. While the Biden administration says illegal border crossings have been dropping over the last few days, the recent influx of migrants is stretching resources in places you might not expect. NBC national correspondent Gabe Gutierrez joins us now, not not from the border this morning, but from Newburgh, New York. It's a suburb of New York City. Gabe, good morning. Craig, good morning. We're roughly 2,000 miles from the southern border, but this city and others like it are feeling the impact of the immigration debate. The county here is now suing to keep migrants out, but not before some were already bused to this hotel. This morning, the ongoing migrant influx is being felt far beyond the southern border. Just hours ago, two buses carrying nearly 100 migrants arrived in New York City from Laredo, Texas. While from Chicago and Philadelphia to Denver and Pittsburgh, shelters are being stretched thin in cities from coast to coast. Illegal border crossings have actually dropped each day since the COVID border restriction known as Title 42 expired last week. But with border processing centers slammed, newly released court documents reveal more than 6,400 migrants were released into the U.S. last Thursday and Friday. In Chicago, there are now pop-up showers for migrants living in police stations. They have not showered for as probably from five days to almost two weeks. We support the balance While in New York City, parents and even students are protesting a new plan to temporarily house asylum seekers in school gyms. What worries you most? I don't know these people. Why can't they send them someplace else? 
New York City Mayor Eric Adams says there's just no room anywhere else. We spoke with this woman who's been living at an emergency shelter near Times Square for four months. How long do you expect to be here? I'm just trying to save up a little more money to be able to find another place to go, she tells us. The mayor is blasting the Biden administration for not doing more. We're not getting the support that we deserve here in New York City. The immigration debate now spilling into the suburbs, too. Orange County, New York, granted a temporary restraining order, stopping more migrants from being bused to local hotels for now. The county executive says homeless veterans were pushed out of hotel housing early to make way. The 20 uh, veterans that were that were displaced, that, that is really sends a bad message. You can't just drop a bombshell on them and kick them back out to the streets. Leave the veterans alone. Neighboring Rockland County is also sued to keep migrants out, so we expect more court battles in the coming days. Meanwhile, New York City budget officials estimate that housing and caring for migrants will cost taxpayers more than $4 billion by next year, Craig. Gabe Gutierrez for us there. Gabe, thank you. All right, let's get a check of the weather from Dylan. Hey, Dylan. Good morning, morning. guys. Nice to see you again. It kind of has a fallish feel outside. It's very dry. It's going to be breezy today. So because of that, we do have some red flag warnings in effect, mainly across southern New England and also down into central and southern New Jersey. Winds could gust up to about 30 miles per hour. Humidity is down to around 20 to 30 percent. And we do have just that dry air in place with this cool air that has settled in, too. Temperatures will be about 10 to 15 degrees below average. And then tomorrow morning, some areas like Binghamton, New York, below freezing, 28 degrees to start off the day, 42 in Philadelphia, 32 in Albany. So because of that, we do have freeze watches, freeze warnings, some frost advisories. A lot of you, I'm sure, have already put your plants outside. Well, this is kind of an alert for your plants. So you might want to bring them in tonight just because those could be impacted by that. We also have a chance of some severe storms down along the Gulf Coast today. The middle of the country is looking nice and warm. Highs today in the low to mid 80s. And that's your latest forecast. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. Still ahead this morning, an urgent warning to Congress on the dangers posed by artificial intelligence. And it's coming from one of the CEOs behind that rapidly emerging technology. Tom Costello on the story for us. Hi, Tom. Yeah, good morning. So Sam Altman is pleading with Congress, regulate AI before it's too late. And Elon Musk says there's a risk it could destroy humanity. Sorry to give you that breakfast news, but that's what the warning is, guys. All right, uh, we'll get to that. Also, a missing girl featured on the series Unsolved Mysteries found safe six years after her disappearance. It was a tip that led to a reunion with her father. But first, this is Today on NBC. In life, we're often driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to find candidates isn't to search. It's to match with Indeed. Indeed's a matching and hiring platform used by over 300 million global monthly users, according to Indeed data. Need quality candidates fast? Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. And you'll connect with candidates in no time. And it's not just faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And here's the best part. Listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit, giving your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Nick Friedman. And I'm Lee Alec Murray. And this is The Anime Effect. 
We're a brand new podcast breaking down the anime and fandom news you care about and revealing just how powerful the effect of anime really is. Every week, we're breaking down the latest anime community developments and what it means for us fans. But we won't stop at just anime. We'll dig into other fandoms we can't get enough of and invite guests we know you'll recognize to join in the discussion. Whether you're a dedicated anime fan or a casual viewer, we want you to experience the anime effect. Tune into The Anime Effect starting February 16th. The Anime Effect is brought to you by Crunchyroll and Sony Music Entertainment. Watch complete episodes on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel or listen wherever you get your podcasts. Martha Stewart. Seeing it for the very first time. Martha, what do you think? I I like that picture. Yeah, I would think so. I like that picture. We are back. Uh, that was an amazing moment right here on Today. Martha was seeing her Sports Illustrated swimsuit cover for the very first time. And let's just say it didn't take long for that moment. And Martha's cover to totally blow up online. We're going to get to all that on Popstar. Wasn't that kind of fun that to be able to so be there for fun. that? And you know what, Martha? I think she was nervous about yeah. it. And I think she's so relieved and happy. Mm-hmm. And it's so well received. The cover was great, but the behind the scenes yeah. video. I know. She's she's cool. She's had 10 bathing suits or nine bathing suits. She tried them. Anyway, she looked great. All right. First up, though, in this half hour, a new warning about the potential dangers posed by artificial intelligence. And it's coming from some of the very same people leading that industry. Sam Altman, who helped create ChatGPT, the, the program now sweeping the world. Folks are talking about it every day. Well, Altman went before Congress yesterday asking lawmakers to pass laws and regulate AI as fast as possible. This, as the New York Times reports that researchers at Microsoft believe AI is showing signs of, quote, human reasoning. Everybody stop and watch this story. It's important. NBC's Tom Costello. It's pretty rare that you see a CEO to say, regulate us. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about what our technology can literally do to the world and to humanity. Yeah, that's exactly right. Sam Altman says AI could be as revolutionary as the printing press was, but given that it's evolving by the minute, it could prove to be destructive and devastating for humanity. He and other AI execs going before Congress, urging Congress, write new AI laws, license, regulate AI, just as nuclear energy and clean water are regulated. Underscoring the promise and peril posed by artificial intelligence. We have seen what happens when technology outpaces regulation. Tuesday's Senate hearing started with a voice that sounded like Senator Richard Blumenthal, but wasn't. That voice was not mine. The audio was an AI voice cloning software trained on my floor speeches. The words written by AI program ChatGPT. The man behind ChatGPT, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman, is now pleading with Congress to regulate AI before it's too late. My worst fears are that we cause significant, we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. If this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. AI's peril is far more than stealing a singer's voice and composing a new song or drafting love letters and college essays. Researchers warn it could create counterfeit humans, steal identities, spread fake news and medical advice, undermine elections, democracies, even start wars. And there is wide agreement that humans could soon start losing their jobs to AI. How do we find meaning in life if uh, the AI could do your job better than you can? 
billionaire Elon Musk, who helped fund OpenAI, is among hundreds of tech leaders calling for the industry to hit pause. Last night, he talked exclusively to CNBC's David Faber. There's a strong probability that it will make life much better, and, and there's some chance that it goes wrong um, and uh, destroys humanity. Hopefully that chance is small, but it's not zero. For years, Hollywood has envisioned a dark future controlled by computers. While iRobot may be extreme, the man known as the godfather of AI, Dr. Jeffrey Hinton, recently left his job at Google to issue a stark warning. I think it's possible that people are just a passing phase in the evolution of intelligence. People are a passing phase. In other words, computers will take over. Yes, that's possible. An existential threat to all of us. Listen to where that warning is coming from. These are the guys who invented this technology. And there's growing bipartisan agreement in Congress that AI needs to be regulated. But the U.S. is far behind Europe, where new AI guardrail laws are moving towards passage. Riskier apps would be facing tougher oversight in Europe. EU laws would move to protect children, ban scoring people based on their behavior, and remote facial recognition, using that in stores, for example. So this is really a brave new world, you guys. It it really is. Um, and a scary one, too, in some ways. Let's bring in NBC's tech correspondent, Jacob Warb. And Jake, I mean, everyone's remarking, oh, here the industry Mm -hmm. itself is saying, please regulate us, regulate Mm -hmm. us. But, you know, a a number of scientists, and including now um, the former godfather of AI, have said, well, let's just pause for a moment. Let's hit the brakes for a moment and not develop it any further until we really get a Mm -hmm. handle on this. So they're saying regulate us, but they're not saying, and we'll pause while you do. Well, that is right. I mean, you guys, there is this sort of sense, experts tell me, that, uh, you know, that these CEOs want to create that this is somehow inevitable, right? That it's like the weather and it's just going to roll in and we have to deal with it, start stocking up on umbrellas. But, uh, uh, you know, experts have been talking to me about really the, the very good likelihood that an open democratic society like ours can decide what it deploys. It does not have to go forward with something like that. Whether that needs to be something like a six-month pause, like you mentioned, or or perhaps, uh, you know, some other form of regulation entirely. I mean, you know, we have, uh, you know, the, the, we would all be sitting here smoking cigarettes if it weren't for the efforts mm-hmm. of regulators and academics and trial lawyers to sort out the harms of cigarettes. I'm not comparing the dangers here to say that AI is as dangerous as cigarettes, but we as a society have some choices, experts say, and we do not simply need to let this thing roll into our lives. Well, Jake, you said they've been saying when this tech goes wrong, it goes very wrong. And I don't really understand what that means. So if you were to explain, like, what's the worst case scenario that can happen if this thing just goes flooding through society? Well, the short term and the long term, right, is a way to think about it. So in the short term, the immediate threats that people are worried about is, you know, first of all, just sort of the end of factual evidence, the the end of being able to trust our eyes and our ears when you hear uh, the president speaking or you see a photograph that looks like something uh, out of a news camera, right? Those sorts of things are currently using off-the-shelf AI easy to fake. So in the short term, we're talking about the sort of general loss of trust on the eve of something like the 2024 election. In the long term, of course, we're talking about, you know, losing all sorts of skills, perhaps coming to rely on AI to write our love letters for us, write our resumes for us, decide who gets a job, who gets a loan, who gets bail in this way that will, you know, maybe due to our ability to make those sorts of decisions, what, you know, relying on something like, you know, a map on your phone has done to our sense of direction. And then, of course, there's this long, 
long-term thing that everybody is worried about, about the idea that somehow artificial intelligence will become AGI, artificial general intelligence, and develop a mind of its own, you know, enslave us all. We've seen those movies, right? That is maybe not the thing that, that you know, experts say to me that that's ne- not necessarily the thing to worry about as much as these short-term dangers that we need to get in front of right now. It's so scary, though. I mean, I, I mentioned again, Jeffrey Hinton, he created, helped to create the technology behind AI. He just left Google. He said to the New York Times, the idea that this stuff could actually get smarter than people. A few people believed that, but most people thought it was way off. And I thought it was way off. I thought it was 30 to 50 or years, even longer away, perhaps. Obviously, I no longer think that. What is the thing that happened like in the last six to 12 Mm -hmm. months that suddenly Mm -hmm. took this from, oh, AI, it's nice. It makes our, you know, our Google Mm -hmm. search a little better to real experts with skin in the game who are working Mm -hmm. in the field, who help birth this technology say, whoa, 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 Mm -hmm. whoa. We got to press the brakes here. Right. Well, the difference between then and now is essentially a new piece of technology. I mean, it's things like something called a transformer model. We don't have to get in the weeds on this, but basically once upon a time in AI, you had to train things very slowly and it took forever, took billions of dollars and, you know, thousands of hours to train a single piece of AI to make a decision, pick a pattern out of data. Then just a few years ago, these transformer models made it possible for you to suddenly just pour the internet through these systems so that they can just pick up the greatest hits of our taste in art, our taste in music, how we write letters to one another. It's that capability that has suddenly created all of these large language models that you're seeing OpenAI and Google and Meta debut. And those are what is setting off this concern because they're concerned now about the possibility of what we're seeing as emergent behaviors. That's what they talk about, where basically these things are beginning to do things that the people who made them did not expect. It's that element of surprise that has people worried about the future and has everybody talking, of course, at yesterday's hearing all about regulation you guys it's a conversation we got to keep having mm-hmm. jake thank you very much i uh, thank you jake uh still ahead maria shriver is bringing us a very important story every woman needs to see a close look at a treatment for menopause symptoms it's been around for decades but the controversial reason it is not being offered to people who could benefit from it first though call it vindication for true crime junkies maggie vespa has the cold case that was just solved all thanks to a, a popular show maggie Yeah, Craig, that's right. Good morning. A true crime mystery, as you say, cracked six years later. Police here in Illinois say a teen girl who was abducted when she was nine is now back here home safe after someone states away recognized her from a popular show about unsolved cases. This incredible story and the growing impact of that addicting genre coming up. Hey guys, Willie Geist here, reminding you to check out the Sunday Sit-Down Podcast. On this week's episode, I get together with seven-time Grammy winner Casey Musgraves to talk about the inspiration for her new album, the process she uses to write those beautiful songs, and finding success while bucking convention in Nashville. You can get our conversation now for free wherever you download your podcasts. Join me, Esther Perel, every Monday in my office on Where Should We Begin? I'm talking to couples and individuals about love and work, about turning conflict into connection. More than ever, our relationships define the quality of our lives. So let's explore the myriad of relational challenges together. See you Monday.
We're back, 74, a remarkable story. A child's disappearance solved after six years. Yeah, you heard that right. And it's thanks in large part to a popular Netflix show that shined a light on the case. Just one positive example of America's obsession with true crime stories. An obsession indeed. NBC's Maggie Vespa joins us now from South Elgin, Illinois, with more on this one. Maggie, good morning. Hey guys, just an amazing story. As you've been saying, Kayla Unbahan was just nine years old back in 2017 when police say she was kidnapped by her own mother who did not have legal custody at the time. Well, now six years later, police here in South Elgin say she's actually back home here in Illinois with her dad after someone states away recognized her from the Netflix hit Unsolved Mysteries. And they say this is actually not an isolated case, adding sometimes America's true crime addiction indeed pays off. From in-depth docu-series to hours-long podcasts, this morning investigators say America's true crime addiction has helped bring a young girl home. Back in 2017, police in South Elgin, Illinois, say then nine-year-old Kayla Unbihan was abducted by her mother, Heather, after a judge granted Kayla's father full custody of the child. The dad, Ryan Iskirka, speaking to our affiliate at the time. When she canceled all that social media, that, that's another sign that she wasn't ever intending to come back. Despite years of dead ends, Iskirka refused to let the case grow cold, pushing his story onto the national stage, including in early 2020, appearing on Vanished, the Missing Persons Project, a series streaming on Peacock, which is owned by our parent company, NBC Universal. And again last fall on Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. Finally, this weekend, a crucial break in the case. When investigators say someone in North Carolina who saw that Netflix show recognized Kayla at a clothing store and alerted police. Because of the tip, police say Kayla, now 15, is back home with her dad, while her mother was arrested and charged with kidnapping. She was released from custody after posting a $25,000 bond. Ryan Iskerka writing in a statement, I'm overjoyed that Kayla is home safe, adding, we ask for privacy as we get to know each other again and navigate this new beginning. Six years uh, is way too long. Uh, Let's face it, six minutes, six seconds is way too long to be away from your own child. And this is not the only case where true crime shows have made a difference. From HBO's The Jinx, which led to the murder conviction of the late real estate heir Robert Durst. Kill them all, of course. To the iconic serial podcast, which helped free Adnan Syed from prison more than 20 years after he was convicted of murdering his girlfriend. Experts say the genre can be an invaluable tool to cracking cases. Kayla's just the latest proof of that. Do you work to get these kids' cases into these kind of true crime series to get that spotlight on them? We do, as we saw today, that it just takes one set of eyes to be a hero. And we should note advocates with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, who you just heard from in that piece, say they only put these cases on these platforms and on these shows when authorities say they are indeed comfortable with it. They kind of follow their lead, noting that true crime fans and online sleuths can sometimes produce complications, like potentially naming the wrong suspect online. But again, they add in a lot of cases, this genre can produce crucial tips and crack a case wide open. Guys. All right. Maggie Vespa there in uh, Illinois. Maggie, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Dylan, is it too early to talk about the weekend weather forecast? It's Wednesday. <laughs> acceptable? I think it's acceptable. Yes, we are going to get to the weekend where temperatures, I think, will be okay. We're watching maybe a storm system for the northeast on Saturday. But in the meantime, lots of sunshine in the northeast, back through the Great Lakes. A little cooler than it was yesterday. Severe storms possible to later this afternoon along the Gulf Coast and back through the west. We're still dealing with those temperatures well above average for this time of year. And that's your latest forecast. All right. Dilly, dilly. Thank, thank you. Dylan. We welcome in Jacob Sobo. Sobo. What's up, guys? Hi. Guys, don't go anywhere. we got a really special pop star coming up. Hoda's going to really like this one because we have got to show you Lake Shelton as he begins wrapping up his time oh. on The Voice. Aww. It is going to be amazing. Oh, I look forward to that. Yeah. Don't want to miss that one.